Hello and welcome to C3 Newcastle City Podcast. It is our honour to host you and trust you will enjoy this message as much as we did. For more information about C3 Newcastle City or to connect with us, visit our website, www.c3nc.com. We're back from holidays and it's full. Good to be in church. Is it alright if I stand on the carpet now? Can you see me at the back there? Hello? Yeah? Graham says I'm too close and get lost. <laughs> oh, just give me one moment. Good. Well, good to be in church. Hey, a few, few updates before we get into the Word. Firstly, um, back in June, I think I announced that... Uh, we were working towards getting a, another premises, another building. And um, like I said, and if you haven't been around for a while, we've, been, we've actually been looking for another space and place and possibility for, well, years now. In fact, we've had a team that have been going, right, to continue to grow, what do we need to do? Um, and uh, obviously, we had the option that came up with Tower Cinemas that I talked to you guys about. And uh, over the weeks, we've been continued to negotiate, and uh, I very much enjoyed that. But um, it, it, it seems at this point it hasn't fell our way that there's been someone else that has come in that's made an offer and they're entertaining that thought at, at present more than ours, which is fine. And some of us might go, ah, oh, that's disappointing. But I just encourage you to just kind of go, that's fine. Because I kind of, I just live my life that way. I get excited about something and I pursue something and then I just go, God, if, if you're on that, let it be, let it be. And if it doesn't, I go, oh, that's cool. That's cool. And so that one looks like it's maybe fallen through, but there are other opportunities that we are looking at. And uh, the ones that I'm really excited about currently are ones of purchase. I would love for us to have our own building, a building that we own. And uh, so we're looking at a couple of other options that I'm particularly excited about. So all I just wanted to update you on is we're looking at them and we're looking at the possibilities. And we're even looking at the possibilities staying here. We are welcome to stay, our landlord says. And uh, he's even been open. I said, well, if we stay, we need to make further modifications to the building to be able to make this place work. And he's like, that's cool. So that's good because uh, that's what we'd need to do, particularly with our kids' rooms because uh, it's, it's, a, it's a happy and wonderful zoo up there that is getting a little limited and we don't want to cage little beautiful precious kids in, do we? We want to give them room to move. <laughs> Sometimes we do, the parents say. Um, Keep that on the down low. But, but yeah, so we're looking at possibilities. Is that all right? And I just wanted to say and share what I know at this moment, and then I'll say and share as we find out more. But I'm, I'm excited by some of the possibilities that we're looking at, and I will keep you updated. Also, with Vision Builders, that the majority of the funds that we're giving to is going towards our future, the future of the church uh, this year. And so if you haven't brought your pledge, as Naomi said, and you would like to, please participate in that. I just love everyone to be part of sowing into our future and into missions and to continue to build the church. So if you haven't done that, I'd love for you to participate. There's some brochures probably on your seats or at the back. You can have a look at that sort of gives all the information about uh, Vision Builders Giving, which is above and beyond our tithe. Um, but uh, the update on that, Andrew Haynes isn't away because he's on his 10-year anniversary. Can you believe that? I think it's 10 years, isn't it? Unbelievable. And double for his trouble, he's got twins coming. God bless him. <laughs> they're having a baby boom. Um, 
so uh, he couldn't give me the update, but the last I knew it was, I think we've had $220,000 pledge of the 250 that we're believing for. So yay to that. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Wonderful. Well, we are ready. I'm ready to start a new series. Are you ready? And it's the Beatitudes, the, the Sermon on the Mount. I've been looking forward to this for ages. I wanna, who loves a good textual preach? Yeah, or a conversation. And so uh, for the next little while, we're going to be diving into this Sermon on the Mount, which is extraordinary. And I so enjoyed just studying this myself. But uh, we're going to be doing this at night as well at our PM service, but it's going to look different. I decided I want to kind of get a little interactive. When you get into this kind of teaching, I think it's fun to kind of hear what other people are thinking and answer questions and kind of have a, a, an interactive kind of uh, moment. So we're going to be doing this on Sunday nights, and I've put our very best teachers, people that do this day in, day out, who are going to be on Sunday nights. So I want to encourage you to come. My prayer for this series is that we would get a, a, a deepened love for the Word of God, but that we would get revelation of who Jesus is and just how completely transformational uh, it is in having a relationship with Him. And so I want to say double dip. Come in at the night, and I want to especially encourage tonight, there is a special treat because Judah, magician Judah, has a couple of card tricks. He's been doing... Who's, who's had a Judah card trick performed them so far? All right. He's got around a little bit. Well, he's got some fresh ones, and uh, he's going to be sharing them tonight, so you don't want to miss out on that. And he's very excited about it. He, he already tells us all the time, I'm kind of a big deal. And he says, well, one day, mum and dad, I'm going to be famous. I'm not going to probably live in Newcastle. I'm going to be in the capital city. I'm going to have my own airstrip. And as well as playing professional football, I'm going to do a lot of amazing things. I'm incredible. <laughs> who, loves, who loves buoyant children? <laughs> Judah is buoyant. <laughs> all right, are we ready to get started? We are going to dive in. Are you with me? This is going to be different, all right? It's not just going to be a motivational preach for you. just going to be like, my gosh, Ryan must be a sanguine. It's not going to be that. It's going to be us diving into the Word of God and going a little deeper. Is that all right? And so you're going to kind of have to change your posture a little bit and go, all right, let's get into things a little bit and go a little deeper. Who's keen on that? Are you with me? Amen. So we're looking at Matthew chapter 5. That's where the Beatitude starts. And it goes chapter 6, chapter 7. Uh, for a couple of chapters there, Jesus kind of really speaks into doctrine, values, purpose, meaning, and, and, and it's just incredible. Let, let me give you some context. What I want to do today is kind of take us into the context and understand a little bit of the background preceding this. So as we go on this journey, you go, ah, I get the picture of how incredibly powerful and um, offensive this would have been, Yeah. Because it was. Jesus was offensive. The things he said and done just completely broke the paradigms of the day and were just completely, yeah, offensive in some ways, yeah? So understand this, for, before we read into it, for thousands of years, really, hundreds and hundreds of years, people, the Jews have been waited, waiting for the Messiah to arrive. But as well as this, for hundreds and hundreds of years, they've been ruled over, persecuted, and oppressed for generations. It's, it's in fact all they've known for as far as they can remember. I'm talking back to, if we're from here, back to like Columbus, if you think, 1600s kind of thing. 
This, this is all they've ever known. In fact, for 400 years, God has not said a thing. Preceding Jesus. God's been quiet. There's been no prophets. There's been no miracles. Nothing. And so everything that is spoken of is way off in the distance. It's not something that you would have seen the week before, the days before, or generations before. I'm talking hundreds of years ago since there was a prophet that had spoken the words of God or any miracle had been done. Have you got that? Nothing. The Jews have been ruled over the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, and now the Romans. So they once were, back in the day, a nation of their own, a very powerful and strong nation that was feared by all the nations of the world. But since then, all they've known is oppression, persecution, and lack. Yeah? And they're hungry, they're thirsty for this moment when the Messiah would come and they would be able to re-establish themselves as a, as a nation, as a powerful nation that they believe they are. Now it says this in Isaiah, okay? Back in Isaiah, the, the, the prophet spoke in chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For us a child, uh, a child is born to us and is given, and, the, and his government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and and of peace there will be no end and then the throne of david over his kingdom to establish it and to what uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the lord of hosts will do this right this is what was spoken this is one of the last things this is what's coming to you israel and to the jewish people yeah daniel spoke the same in chapter 7 he says and unto him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples nations languages should serve him, his dominion, in an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that is one that shall not be destroyed. Now, the Jewish people were great storytellers. In fact, back when they crossed the, the, the promised land, that it was instituted. You've got to continue to tell all these stories of everything that was done back from the Red Sea all the way through, all the miracles, all the, all the nations, we tell the story to the generations again and again and again. And so they've got this wonderful culture of telling stories. We're around the dinner table, in the synagogue, everywhere you go, they're storytellers. And they're telling the story of what God has done. And so it's instituted in their culture that they tell stories and they would celebrate Moses, Joshua, Solomon, Daniel, Samson, Elisha, Esther. I mean, they just have all these incredible heroes that they could talk about and celebrate, and they're constantly on their ways. Remember when Daniel, when he was with the lion's den? Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They went into a fire, and they came out not even smelling like smoke. Remember when Moses was put out his stuff, and the Red Sea parted away, and the whole uh, um, Egyptian army were destroyed? I mean, they've just got the most profound, amazing stories, and we know them all ourselves, Yeah. But they're incredible storytellers, and so they talk about how these great heroes had defied the oppression that had come against them. Even people like Daniel, who who was under the Babylonians and the Persians, but he stood up in defiance and strength and didn't give in to or, or be defiled by their ways. He was this 
you know, these kind of people, and they celebrate this and talk about this and tell stories of the incredible miracles and things that had been done. And then they've got this picture of themselves being the best people on the planet, kind of like Judah, like, I'm amazing. <laughs> and it was because of this. Back in Deuteronomy, right back, it says this, For you are a people holy to the Lord God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his people for his, as his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So they kind of carried this posture that says, you know what, what kind of super important? I mean, there's all the people on the face of the earth, but we're, we're the people. We're God's chosen people. I'm telling you all this for a reason, right? And here's the other thing. So the Jews were also very governed by, although they were, had been under many different nations who had ruled over them, they still held very firm to their own laws and principles. So we know the Ten Commandments, right? But there was many other laws and bylaws that kind of attached themselves to the Ten Commandments. And they lived and followed these, I mean, tightly. Yeah? And so they weren't, they, they, they held on to it. Even though they weren't a nation, these were our precious laws. These, these laws actually meant freedom to us because we, got to, we get to operate and live in them despite the fact that we're ruled over, we hold on to them. So some of us might see them as things that would, would mean that we're, you know, they're under this thumb of oppression simply by the law. But for, in a lot of ways, they were, it was something of pride, of dignity, because this is the way we live, and this was the way that God paved out, that if we followed these ways, that we would live a blessed life, that we would receive the wonderful inheritance that is promised to us. Are you getting this? I'm telling you this all for a reason. Are you with me? So this is their understanding, and they obeyed these laws. They followed various rituals and ceremonies, celebrations, festivals, to celebrate all the mighty works that God had done, all to help them remember and then they had this expectation that one day a Messiah, a Savior, a Deliverer would come and reestablish them as a nation unto themselves that would rule over all the kingdoms and people of the earth. They believed this wholeheartedly, solely, and, and you'd be excited about that, right? They're like anticipating this. And so when Jesus came along, and he started to perform the miracles that he was performing. And he was speaking with such revelation and understanding of the law and the prophets and all of those things. There was a very strong thought that, I wonder if, could this be? I mean, he's doing things that we haven't seen for hundreds and thousands of years. Performing miracles, speaking words. Could this be? And there was a whisper that was carrying on through Jerusalem, out through Judea, out into the region. It, it actually had gone, if you read back in chapter 4, it had got as far as Syria, out to the Gentiles. It had reached out and the whisper had gone out, the Messiah might be here. And so Jesus starts to draw this huge crowd unto him that are all kind of leaning in. And they've all got their different thoughts and ways. You've got the religious leaders who want to hold on to the law. It's their occupation. It's their power. It's their authority. It's, you know, their superiority. They're kind of leaning in going, what is this going to mean? 
Then you've got the zealots. Now, it's so cool the way Jesus chose his crew. He had Simon the zealot, not to be confused with Simon Peter, Simon the zealot that was part of this group of, you could call them assassins. They were terrorists of the day. Jesus had one of them on his team. And as well as that, he had Matthew the tax collector, a traitor. I mean, you got Simon and Matthew sitting next to each other, hearing Jesus talk about things, and they've got a completely different paradigm or viewpoint. Do you get that? But as well as that, he's got a group of young men who are devout Jews, follow the law, believe in it. Some of them had followed John the Baptist. They were devout. They were committed. And so Jesus comes along and he's speaking all these things, words of revelation. He's performing miracles and he's formed what seems like a leadership group. Now, to establish a kingdom, what are you going to need? You're going to need governance. And he's even given them roles of finance and, 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 and Luke, you're the, you're the doctor, you're the healer, looks after, you've got the portfolio of, of health. He seems to be appointing people. And it comes to this moment that the whispers are getting so loud that Jesus actually has to draw them away and he says, come up the mountain, those that want to hear, because they're all going, what's the deal? Where are you going? What's your vision? Do you, do you adhere or believe in the law and everything that was before us? Are you the Messiah? Have we got the picture? Have I painted that pretty well? You got it? Important to understand because some of us kind of get to Matthew 5 and think it's like this kinfolk organic festival <laughs> where everyone's wearing linen and kind of just throwing flower petals and this is amazing. All of Jesus, and we're all friends, and we all agree, and let's eat kombucha <laughs> or drink it. One of the, you do one of them, and they're not having to get food because they're just picking it up off the ground. I actually don't think that's what it was like. I think it was a highly contentious atmosphere on the hill with people from all different backgrounds and points of view all sitting down going, what the is going on? They were kind of anticipating, full of expectation, but they're very offended and not sure. I mean, they'd only just tried to kill Jesus just the other day. They tried to push him off a cliff because he got out the, roll of the, the scroll of his eye that was handed to him, read it out and says, here I am, I'm the guy. And they go, that's cool, let's kill him. So if you're thinking kinfolk, maybe think again. All right? Have we got the picture? Are we ready to read Scripture now, yeah? Cool. So let's read it. So here we are. We're on the hill with our linen on, ready to hear from this Savior. What is he going to say? And he says this. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So he's got them closest to him, and then he's got thousands of other people gathered around him. And they're all kind of buying for power and wondering where they're going to sit. And he opened his mouth and he taught unto them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. And so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, knowing all of what I just said, you can imagine how the different people would have just gone, sorry, what? They've all got their own prejudices and their values and their different virtues and their own kind of personal aspirations of where am I going to sit on the totem pole and how is it, where am I going to be placed in this new kingdom, this revolution that was coming. But Jesus here just lays out plain and simple, black and white. And here's what he's saying. Here are the blessings, the benefits in the original language that are going to be offered under my rulership. That's essentially what he's saying. Exactly what people wanted to hear, he's saying, these are the things that you can expect if you followed me. Now, I like how he starts it out. Now, you've got a culture again in Judaism where there are proud people. You work hard and you find success. You enjoy success. You follow the law and all of its precepts and things work out for you. There's a leadership structure. There's a definite hierarchy in their faith and their understanding. And so when Jesus opens up and he says, here's the thing, you want to know who's important? Blessed are the poor in spirit. What? Not blessed are the hardworking individuals that follow the law and do everything right and, and ticked all the boxes. He goes, blessed are the poor in spirit. If you look into the original language, he's basically saying, blessed are the lowest of the low. I'm talking beggar level down a few steps. That's where he's speaking to you. Say, those people, blessed are that. That's his opening line. Are you hearing this? I mean, you're ripping your linen at this point. You're like, what? It, what? Blessed are the poor in spirit. And what he was essentially saying, he's not even talking to poverty. He's saying, blessed are the people who have such a dire need in them and a need for a saviour, they're the kind of people that I want in my kingdom. See, he's not celebrating poverty or weakness. He's saying, hey, anyone that kind of has a God-shaped hole inside of them and feels empty and of need as a saviour, guess what? You're with me. Not the strong, not the powerful, not the intelligent, the rich, or the successful, simply anyone that acknowledges that they have a need that needs saving. Have you got that? Jesus said this later when he um, was healing people and some of them hanging around all the crooks and the thieves and those wicked, wicked sinful people. All the religious people got upset and Jesus said this. He says, isn't it the sick that need a doctor? Isn't that who needs help? 
And so Jesus is saying here, and his message was all about this. You know, anyone that needs a savior, here I am. I mean anyone. And as we went along, we found out this wasn't even for the Jews. Oh, my gosh. But it was for the Gentile also. Like I said, people as far as Syria, Gentiles, had actually started to come in. And they're hearing this word that might be. And here's the thing. Later, Paul went and he spoke to the Romans. And he said this. While you were still sinners, Christ died for you. Isn't that incredible? Anyone that acknowledges that they have a God-shaped hole, Jesus is interested in you. And you know what? He still is. He's still completely interested in blessing you. Have we got that number one? (laughs) Can you believe this? We looked at one verse. Then he goes on and he says, Blessed are those who mourn. Now, God, uh, Jesus is not just talking about people who have lost a loved one. Again, if you look deep into the original Greek, it was written originally in Greek, so you've got to look at the translation because there's many different words you can use. That's why we have all the different translations in the Bible because they kind of pick a different um, word that would describe what was originally written in the Greek. Have you got that? So if you go back to that, it says, Blessed are those who mourn. Who he's actually talking about is not just people who are who have lost somebody and are mourning and sad, it's people who feel guilty even. I've said it before that the greatest human pain that we can ever carry is guilt and shame. Would you agree? Nothing will crush a human soul more than guilt and shame. Now, guilty people are people who are guilty of doing wrong, right? Yeah. And they're people that just feel guilty or shame because of it being placed upon them, rightly or wrongly. But either way, guilt and shame is something that will cause one person to feel like they're in a ball, like they're in a place of deep lament, in pain, yeah? And here's the thing again. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 3.23, says, We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in this place, actually, where without him, we're buckled over. We're down, we're low. And, and Jesus is saying here that those kind of people that are lowly are in a position of feeling tormented and down to them of also offering the benefits. Now, again, for, for a Jew to understand this was difficult. Someone who was guilty was guilty. True? I mean, if someone is guilty of a wrongdoing, then they're guilty. And some of the lowest in the low were actually in society. Those that had the greatest level of mourning, of discomfort, would have been lepers. It was the most horrible, debilitating disease of the day. But here's the thing. Back in Levitical law, those that had this terrible disease, they were cursed. They'd done wrong. And so they had every reason to be separated and cursed and despised by everyone because they'd done wrong. Have you got that? They were wrong. You know, as Jesus came down, you might want to get that. Um, As Jesus came down the mountain, after teaching this incredible sermon, you know the first person that he healed? A leper. And he didn't, 
here's the thing. If you touched a leper, you were, you were cursed the same as them. You're infected. Jesus didn't just say be healed. He touched him. Again, so Jesus is saying something completely countercultural, something that is defying even the word, the, the law that was given to say, you know what, those that are in the lowest of the low, completely discarded and separated, those that are just the scum of the earth, to them I offer blessing. <laughs> Don't you love this? And you can see the religious and the powerful and the strong and the successful going, how dare you offer those guys, those, those guilty slackers. What do you call them, Dad? Driftwood. <laughs> is it driftwood? What is it? Deadwood. It's even worse. <laughs> Tell we worked hard as kids, eh? Do your chores. You don't want to be deadwood. <laughs> so blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Here's the original in the Strong's lexicon. It says this: the the word that is here is paracleo, which is described in this way, from 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 a form of close beside and Cleo to call, properly to make a call from being close up and personal, refers to believers offering up evidence that stands up in God's court. So it's not just saying, I'm comforting you, I'll comfort those and mourn those that are guilty. What, what the word is actually saying here when he talks about comfort is, stand up, brain. If you're guilty, if you're, yeah, you really got to get that. Um, but what, what, what Jesus the Savior comes to do is to come and hide you. To say, I'm your advocate. <laughs> I chose the wrong person, clearly. <laughs> but I'm standing in front of you, and I'm not just going to be a comfort to you, but I'm going to be the voice that speaks up for you. It gets a little more real now, doesn't it? Not just, oh, I've come to pacify you. Oh, there, there. Yeah, you're a dirty, rotten scoundrel. Oh, well. Ah, oh, bugger you're a good guy. He's not saying, saying that. He's saying, I come and I stand alongside you. You're close, you're important, but here's the thing I'm speaking up for you. Now, the interesting thing is, is, is paraclete is what? Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lynn. What does the Holy Spirit do? He's our advocate, our comforter. Isn't this extraordinary? Who loves the Word of God? See why I've had a very happy time. Stunning. So here he's, but it's also a call, it's an invitation. This paracleo, there's an invitation there, come close and be personal with me that I might speak up for you. Yeah? Holy Spirit. Beggars, mourners, people like lepers who were discarded and sinful, rejected, come to me. He goes on. Are you with me? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Sorry, what? Meek. I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone in our history, back to flipping Abraham, was not meek. They weren't a little push around softy, mama's boy, Nancy. You know, 
like Jacob, apart from Jacob. <laughs> mummy will help me. Put some fur on me, mummy. Let's pretend. Let's play pretend. Let's get my birthright. Apart from Jacob. But every other one was these strong heroes. I mean, we're talking about people like David and his mighty men that would make any special forces look like children playing in the playground. Heroes, strong, resilient, unstoppable. And Jesus says here, you know who's really strong and powerful? The meek. Be like the meek. What? But biblical meekness, I, I looked this in one of my commentary commentaries, it says, it's not weakness, but rather refers to exercising God's strength under his control. So meekness, in fact, is a strong posture. It's like saying, I don't have to try and execute my authority and power by force because I've already been given it. Have you got it? To the meek, they'll inherit the earth. What was the promise given to the Jews? You'll inherit the earth. They were strong. What? Those that are meek. Let me illustrate. He's saying here, basically, if you take a, to, to have an inheritance, what do you need to be? A family member, right? You've got to be a son or a daughter to have an in, in, inheritance. So he's saying here, take on the posture of a son and a daughter and you'll have the full right and authority in your inheritance, to call the earth yours. Your standing won't be one of, I need to take, but rather, I already have. Have you got it? Now, here's the thing. I said that pain, guilt and shame are one of the greatest, they are the greatest burden that anyone can carry. You know, the greatest need in any person is identity. And here he's saying, I'm offering I, the full weight of significance and identity to those that are meek, that actually, though, have this posture, this standing, that say, I've already got it. A Judah stance. Yeah. I'm kind of a big deal. Yeah. Come and check my card tricks out. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is what he's communicating. Oh, my gosh. Who's loving scripture? He goes on, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, this is something that the Jews can understand. Yes, yes, yes. Honor the law, right? Yes, that, oh, here we go. We've got a winner. A lot of misunderstanding just before, but finally we've got to a place of understanding. Yes, those who live righteously. And the reason for that is because Jews believe a doctrine of works. So if I do all the right things, then God will accept me. Righteous. Yes, we are because we follow all the law and go through all the washing ceremonies and we make all the sacrifices. We've done all the right things, so we have right standing with God. But here's the thing. Jesus had actually come to blow that up. <laughs> Later on, in chapter 6, verse 33, and we know this very well, but it says in the message, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. Not for doing right. Hold on. For God, He's the food and drink in the best meal and the best meal you'll, you'll ever eat. Sorry, what? 
See, the new doctrine that Jesus was coming to establish is what Romans says in chapter 3, verse 21. Again, one of the greatest religious scholars of the day said this. He says, But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ, all who believe. Righteousness through faith. See, Jesus was bringing a completely new doctrine, a new covenant that was not through a, a, a means of works and abiding by a law, but rather that through faith. So what he was proceeding here is, 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 a, is a truth and a reality that all those that accept and seek him out might receive the righteousness of God. Again, completely offensive to every kind of means or ways or understanding that they've had. Man, we're really ripping up the Kimfolk party, aren't we? In the Passion Translation, 633 says, So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Another way to say it is, seek God first and you'll find that life works out right. Righteousness is just right standing with God, Okay. So things will work out right if you connect with me. That's where Jesus is taking them on a journey on. And we see this when Jesus went down the road a little while further. He came to a rich young ruler. Now, one of the gospel writers actually says that he was a religious leader as well. See, he's ticked all the boxes. This guy's rich, hardworking, successful, young, and is possibly a religious leader also. I mean, if there's anyone that's going to fit the ticket, the bill for being a disciple, it's this guy. And the disciples actually know it. They're like, Jesus, we've found the number 13 here. It's definitely this guy. If there's anybody, he's in. And Jesus, it, with, with such enthusiasm, goes to Jensen and goes, are you using your phone playing Minecraft or are you with me? Yeah. <laughs> now he goes, he goes to him and he goes, hey, I'd, I'd love to have you part of your crew. And he goes, hey, you know what? I've done all the stuff. Well, you know, all the, all the laws. I've nailed every single one of them. Jesus, that's, that's awesome. How about if I tell you that I'm not interested in any of that and you just follow me? Seek me. Follow me. Then you'll be right with me. And he can't do it. Messes with their whole understanding of works and acceptance through that. Can you get how offensive this all is? I mean, this has anyone seen that, that sport where they roll down the hill and they kind of like do that really... I can see this kind of happening. Everyone's a beastie cuts. I can just see the, ze- the, zealous, the zealots and the patriots just... They've got their swords out going, let's go after Matthew first. We've been waiting for it. We're close up. Let's get him. And then Jesus really wants to drive it in. He just really wanted, he wants to tick off the patriots and the zealots. So he says this. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God 
of God. What the heck is going on? All the Nancy push-around kids that aren't worth a dime, that you just push over with a, with a stiff breeze. Jesus is like, I like those guys. In fact, they, get, they can have all the blessing. What? What he's actually speaking to in this moment, though, is he's saying, I'm not interested in your physical strength and the swords and your sides. And all of the history and all of whose family you belong to. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in your and when he talks about pure of heart, it's, it's the word cardio, which Strong's defines as the center of one's values, virtues, and desires. He says those things. If you want to impress me with something, it's that. He's actually saying, he's not just speaking to a particular group of people, he's speaking to a heart attitude. Not the human beings that want to experience all physical and powerful revolution on the outside, I'm interested in a revolution on the inside. Cardia. What's going on on the inside? Jesus is saying here, if you allow me into your heart, mercy will flow in you and it'll flow out of you. Peace will flow in you and it'll flow out of you. You won't see heathens and enemies, but you'll see God in those around you. You'll see God in everyone, in fact, and in everything, and your actions will follow the revolution that is in your heart. Extraordinary. And finally, verse 11, he says, Blessed are those who revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. What? Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, and so the persecuted the prophets who were before you. If I paraphrase, paraphrase it this way, and finally I understand this, understand this is completely contrary to your current doctrine or mindset, and yes, you may not have the kingdom you thought you would have, you will be persecuted and be seen as defeated, but you'll have become a citizen of a kingdom that goes beyond this world. As a citizen of this kingdom, no one and nothing can defeat you or take you away from me or from receiving your heavenly reward. You'll, be actu you'll actually take positions, listen to this, alongside all of the heroes and patriots and kings and prophets before you You'll be alongside them if you live a life of surrender with me. To you I offer blessing. What an incredible start, amen? A passage of scripture that reveals that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And it's still so countercultural even today. And it still has the same promise and power for every single human being on planet earth it doesn't matter how low or out or different or separated or bizarre or weird or strong or powerful you are if you come to jesus he'll accept you just as you are and he'll offer you blessing
And not a blessing that is limited to this temporal life, but a blessing eternal. That he might be with you, walk with you, be joined to you, and in fact stand up for you and advocate for you in your life forever. Nothing and no one will get in his way because you're with him. Pray you're hearing this today. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and it was a great encouragement to you. For more information about C3 Newcastle City, visit our website, www.c3nc.org.